welcome back to my Love Letter Time Machine, where we are unfolding the Victorian love story contained in the letters of two ordinary people from Yorkshire, Fred Shepherd and Janie Warburton. I'm Ingrid Birchall Hughes, and I just happen to be their great great granddaughter. Each week, we travel 140 years back in time to discover the latest happenings. And today, we find out that Fred gave Janie a bit of a hard time because she socialised without him. This next exchange has all the hallmarks of a bit of a spat. Last week, Janie wrote to Fred explaining how she'd been sent to the Johnson's grocery shop for some pies and that she'd been strong-armed into going into a tea dance by three of the Johnsons, Annie, Fred and Mrs Johnson. The big question today is trying to work out if this is Janie and Fred having a row. Unfortunately, Fred's reply to Janie's tea dance letter is missing and given how much hurt is coming from Janie in her response, I do wonder if at some point she threw it on the fire. I'm sure I would have done. I've had a comment from a listener to this podcast that Fred seems a bit needy at times, and I think Fred must be showing some insecurity, and it has come out in being rather harsh. Janie sounds gutted, and I'm a bit cross at Fred. But of course, I don't know if Janie had transgressed by the standards of the time. It all seems rather unfair in my eyes. I notice there's no my darling Fred as a salutation on this one. Hansworth, January the 11th, 1882. I received your letter and will answer the queries as I come to them. Number one, you said in your letter you had had two hard days. One night it was eight and the other nine when you had finished work and could fairly say you had done pretty well as far as time went. Number two, I meant that I should like to see you this week to stay Sunday over like you did the week before and that our marriage would not have come off at Easter because I feel all right. I was hurried with my letter and could not give you all the particulars. I am so sorry I was persuaded to go to the party at all. I really did not mean to pain you. I am so sorry. Say you forgive me. I don't think I am so easily persuaded as you seem to think now. I did not enjoy myself very much, as you seem to hope I did. My head was not so full of the dance as you think. I did go up to our Williams and stayed with Polly all afternoon. I could not mention all the people that were there because I did not know them. I will tell you as many as I can remember. Miss Miriam Greenfield, two Miss Bartons, Annie Johnson's sister and husband, two Tearers, Miss Watson, H. Shepherd, Miss W.'s brother, A. Johnson and lots more ladies that I did not know. I did not enjoy it intensely at all. Mother thought I was staying with Polly all night at Sheffield. I told her where I had been staying. She did not say anything. I am sorry you think I stayed too late. Oh, my darling, I will be more discreet in future. I don't see why the Johnsons should dismiss me at all. I am sure I was very careful who I danced with, because I know you would not care for me to dance with anybody. So I danced with the ladies, except for the dance with Chambers, and I could not get out of it. Though you were absent, I thought about you. I'm sure I did not wrong you in thought or deed. I do love you, even though you seem to rather doubt it. I did not know I should have to go to Mrs. Fleer's until Thursday morning. Mother thought I'd better make the one journey do for both places. How could I discard you when I love you? I do not protest any more than I feel. I did not call at your house on Wednesday night because I had no time. I only came down with our William to catch the 8.25 train and went back with Polly Corbett. 
She came by the nine o'clock, and I had to go down to Mrs. Fleer's before I went to Sheffield. I thought I would call at your mother's as I came back. Your sentiments are plainly stated and do not offend me. I hope you do love me as much as ever, notwithstanding my little shortcoming. And believe me that I will always be your true and loving little wife, for I could not do without you, my darling. I do lavish all my love on you, and will do, my own unselfish husband. I am so sorry you have been ill. I wish I could have been with you to bathe your head for you, love. I hope you are quite better. Write very soon and let me know. Thank you for the supplements. I wish I could see you tonight, my darling, and then we would talk it out. It is a long time to Easter. I shall have to give up writing now. It is past time. I shall always be your faithful, loving wife, Janie. Exchange Middlesbrough, the North Eastern Steel Company, January the 12th, 1882. My darling little wife, I received your welcome and anxiously looked for letter before coming to the office this morning, and it gave me great satisfaction. You have dispelled all my doubts and settled all my fears, and come out of my unmerciful cross-questioning, as you always do, with distinction and pleasure to myself. I must say, my love, that you can hit quite hard as I do, and have knocked me all of a heap. There is still one thing I can't quite understand, and that is this. You say that our marriage will not have to come off at Easter because you felt all right. Do you mean that it has come off? If so, it must be rather early, as I understood from you that it was only the Sunday before Christmas when the last came off. In that case, next Sunday would be the month. Do you mind telling me if this is so, love, so that I might feel quite satisfied? If there is any doubt, I think I'd better be on the lookout for a house. Our house, my darling. As in this place they are rather difficult to find. I suppose you would prefer one with two bedrooms, a bay window and no cellar kitchen. Please give me full instructions about everything, as I only live for your happiness, my love. Of course, if everything is satisfactory, the above instruction will not be necessary, unless you wish to express your opinion about the matter early for my guidance. I am glad you are sorry. I may so put it, about the party. But don't fret, love, you have my full forgiveness, and had it too before your letter arrived. I felt sure after I had written it that I had put the case too strong, and was almost afraid that I should offend you. But your letter relieved me, and I will find you are just as lovely as ever, and lenient to my little peculiarities as I expected, and much more than I deserved. But you are perhaps a better judge of that than I am. I feel pleased that you wrote by return, love, as that put me out of my misery. Mr Cooper has gone to Bradford today, and tomorrow he goes to Sheffield, so that I am taking it easy this afternoon, and giving myself pleasure by writing to you, which I hope will give the same to yourself. I shall be able to give you an extra day for a reply, so that I might get it on Sunday. It is the event of the day, love, the arrival of your letter, and you may perhaps give me a good long one, or shall you me a short one as a punishment for my bad temper? I hope you'll be merciful, my darling, and forgive. But could you do otherwise with your own property? I think not. Your letter, my love, gives me great satisfaction too, by reason of its composition and general arrangement. Your answers are short and straight to the point. In fact, you have quite excelled yourself. I feel sure you will grace the position of the North Eastern Steel Company's chief clerk's wife, and no doubt 
study the interests of the firm, you and me with pleasure to yourself, and also your partner in the business. I am glad you went up to your Williams, love. I was afraid you did not. You have not mentioned how you found them. I hope they are doing well. I am pleased also that your mother did not say anything, love, as I don't like her to find fault with you. I can do that quite sufficiently without anybody else assisting me. When I said that you would discard me, I don't think I really meant it. I don't see how you could, loving one another as we do. Forgive me, love. Be sure and call at our house, love, if you can, soon, as they are always pleased to see you and it is some satisfaction to have something there that belongs to me. You ask whether I love you as much as ever. I do love you, my little darling, more than I ever did. There would be no pleasure in working, my darling, if it were not for you. We have been very busy all this week up to today. It seems almost as though the work fairly rolled in on us. On Monday it was seven before we had done. Tuesday, 8.30. Wednesday, 8. But I do not mind it, love. It is in a good cause. Did I tell you that the statements I prepared for the director's meeting gave great satisfaction? Such was the case. We had over 10,000 in the bank at the end of last year and a call of £2 per share is being made, which will bring in over £16,000 more, so that we shall be pretty well off for money. The shares are also being sold. Last week, 20 shares. This week, have another application for 25. I wish I had some money. Plenty, you know. I would take a few shares. My position would thereby be quite assured by being a shareholder. But that cannot be. On Tuesday, I paid over £1,300 away by cheque for materials bought last month, so that you see we are not standing still. I hope these confidences about business matters will not bore you, my darling. If they do, let me know, and of course I shall not continue them. I have been a great deal better since Monday, love, as you may see by the tone of this letter. I think it must have been because I was not well that I took such a gloomy view of the matter in my last, for which you have done the right thing, love, in overlooking... I have bought a beautiful almanac for sixpence for a scrapbook. I think it will be immense. I give you the size of it in my next and then you will see whether it will fit the scrapbook at our house that I bought some time ago and which I promised you before. I am writing home by this post and will tell them to let you have the book if you don't mind carrying it up, as it is rather large. I have a considerable quantity of cards at home too, but I believe they are locked up in a desk. However, I shall be able to give them to you at Easter which will soon be here, won't it, love? Write and tell me how many weeks it is, love, as I daren't count them. I think it wants about 85 days, and shall count the days to that time. Believe me, my darling, to remain your loving and faithful husband till death. Fred. Oh, it's hard to realise that Fred would really have seen Janie as his property, and that that was the norm. I'm glad Fred picked up on the obvious hurt that Janie was feeling. I do hope that he can learn to stop picking in this area, as he's got no cause to, other than his own inner demons. I want to shake him a bit and say, can't you see she adores you, you dense what's-it? She's not going anywhere. She's completely aboard the Fred and Jane train. I'm sad Janie's response to this is missing, as the next letter is from Fred also, and makes reference to her various replies. 21 Church Street, Middlesbrough, Sunday, January the 15th, 1882. My own darling little wife, I received your welcome letter this morning. I felt almost sorry I had not asked you to write for Saturday instead of Sunday, as it seems such a long time to wait. I often wish that I could have one from you every day instead of two a week, but I suppose that cannot be. 
You would hardly find anything to say every day, should you, love? I have commenced what I consider to be a good idea, and that is, that after I've written a letter to you and waiting for the answer, if anything strikes me that I want to mention, I will make a short note of it so that it isn't forgotten. I recommend this idea to you so that you may give me all the news, as I like to be well posted up that way. I am pleased that Polly and the baby are doing well. Do you remember me to them? I shall write to William as soon as I can. I am sorry I have not written before, but there seems to be no time at this place but work. I am pleased that you called to see my mother, love, as I should not wish you to neglect or forget them, but you know my wishes, my darling, on most points. Have you been in the afternoon? And if so, how are they all? Be sure and tell me, love, if it has or has not come off yet, as I am getting anxious about you. I am glad I suggested the proper kind of house. I thought your wishes and mind would agree on that, as most other points. I wish I could be with you to taste your own manufacture in the shape of mince pies. I am sure they would be nice made by my wife. Of course, she could not do otherwise. I am rather surprised at Mr Walker having anything to do with your Emma after what she said to him. I shouldn't. He must be a tile short. I am sorry, my darling, that tempers do not improve at your house. But you know what my desire is, to take you away from the tempers as soon as I can do it safely on my own. I thought it only wanted 13 weeks at New Year's to Easter, and now you say that it is still 14 weeks. I am quite disappointed at the thought of having to wait another week longer. I wish it wasn't so expensive, so that I could see you oftener, my darling. I am hungering for you. I miss you so much, especially on Sundays, my love, when we used to have so much happiness then. It is an awful change. I hope your cold is better, wife, and that the pain is quite gone. Be sure and let me know how you are in this respect also. I'm glad you mentioned the scrapbook. I hope you will like it. Did you go to our house today? Remember me to Carrie in your next to her, love. I'm sure she is in need of sympathy. Have they heard anything more about the runaways since I left? There is an election going on here, but I have not mixed much with it. It does not pay. I begin to think that it does not matter whether Liberal or Conservatives are in, so that you are all right. I was going to play football yesterday at Ormsby, but could not get off soon enough. Notwithstanding, Mrs Cooper came to fetch the governor. I wish she could have come sooner, but of course it's of no consequence. I had the distinguished honour of opening the letters during Mr Cooper's absence last Thursday and Friday, which is considered a big thing. Alvy has come to live at our house. He says he would rather be with me than next door. Could you love, do you think? I was thinking this morning how nice it would be to have you at the side of me in the morning, my darling. I'm always thinking of you. I have read all your letters through yesterday and today and wish there were twice as many, love, for then it would have been twice long a pleasure. I called at Mr Glover's diggings last night, but he was not in. However, we have had a good long walk this afternoon to Martin and Ormsby, but I care nothing for the scenery. We saw a great many pairs of lovers out. How I envied them their Sunday afternoon's walk. Never mind, love. Won't we have a walk at Easter, love? If not before, for I could die for a look at you and a kiss and... Dash, dash, nothing else? Dash? Glover has bought a violin cello from home. I think I shall learn. Either that or the banjo. And then join the Salvation Army. A converted clerk would be a rarity and something to be proud of, and the only case on record. What sort of weather have you over there? It is very mild here, almost like April. And then I'm afraid the rest of this letter is missing. 
Fred mentions the runaways in relation to Carrie's news. You might remember that Carrie's family, the Higgs, boarded a boat to Australia the previous November, including her younger sister, the 16-year-old Annie Higgs, who was very unhappy about leaving. This event might explain why I can't find their arrival in Australia, and I'm wondering if Annie and other members of the family abandoned Samuel Higgs and his emigration plans. Janie includes more details in her next letter, as well as lots more news from Hansworth. I'm also completely charmed by Janie's genuine wonder at her little nephew. Her delight in children is palpable. Hansworth, January the 18th, 1882. My own darling husband. I received your welcome letter yesterday and should have answered it, but then I was going to Sheffield to see Polly and the baby. They are getting on splendidly. The baby has grown since I saw him before. He has such nice eyes and can look about him. You will have to have a look at him at Easter if possible. It only wants 11 weeks on Sunday. I made a mistake when I said 13 Sunday. It won't be long now, my darling, will it? I had a shop stare yesterday. I bought another little thing for our house, love. It is a crumb brush and tray. They are very useful. Polly gave me a nice pair of solid silver sugar tongs. I think I told you she was going to give them to me. I was coming home by the 7.20 train, but Mr and Mrs Willows came in just at the time I thought to have to leave. So I thought I would catch the 8 train to Attercliffe. I left thinking I had plenty of time, but then I saw the clock on the moor. I found I had 14 minutes to get from there. I hurried thinking I might catch it and was just two minutes too late, and it brought on such a bad headache. I went by the tram. When I got to Attercliffe, I was so bad. I thought I should be sick every minute, so did not call at your house, as I thought of doing. I went on Sunday afternoon to see them. Your mother's cold seemed much better. All the rest are quite well. They were very pleased to see me, I think. Walter and Jane came up in the evening. Jane does not look very well. They had left the little one at Jane's mother's, so I did not see her. I enjoyed the afternoon. We had two or three talks round. John and Louisa brought me home. Ginny Reckless came up to our church in the morning and wonders of wonders, they let me go off down to dinner with Ginny. I went thinking it was her last day at home. She went to the blind institution on the Monday and they sent her back again. She has not been very well this week. Polly Staniforth came to their house and began of the measles and I think Ginny has had them too. She told me that she had not been very well so they sent her back for another week. She's coming up here tomorrow afternoon. Morris and Lucy came to meet me last night with a lamp, so I got home safely. I will adopt your idea about making a note of any news. I think it is a very good idea. They have interred Mrs Laverack today, Annie's grandmother. My darling, it has not come off yet, but I think it will do soon. The reason it has not is because I have got a little cold, not from anything else. I shall see whether it comes off this week. It has been two or three days later than a month before so I think I shall be all right this time. But you'd better keep an eye on the house, in case I should not be right. How should you like taking me on Easter Wednesday, if it is so, love? Don't feel very anxious yet, my darling, my husband. I don't feel so yet. I do know what your desire is, as regards taking me away from their bad tempers, love, and I must try to bear them patiently, until you can take me away from them. I think it won't have to be so soon as Easter. I think it will come off. I wish the fare from Middlesbrough was not so expensive. Then you could see me oftener. I so long for you, my darling. 
If I could only see you for a few minutes just now, I think I should feel satisfied. I would kiss you, and I'm afraid you would not like it. You would tell me to desist, love, wouldn't you? I do love you. I do miss you on Sundays. I did wish you were at our house last Sunday, and then I should have been quite happy. Do you attend that church like Attercliffe? I went to ours last Sunday morning. The decorations look very well. They have not yet pulled it down. I don't think I told you about Mr Whittingham's death. He was buried last Saturday week. He died very suddenly. I think it was some kind of fit he has been suffering for a long time with rheumatism in his inside. He left his affairs very straight and made a will, so that they will not have to have any bother about it. Very likely you have heard from home about it. Mr Hartley's have closed their quarries. They want another partner with 2,000. Not much, is it? Some people seem afraid that it will close in bankruptcy. It will be a bad job if it does. It will throw a good many men out of employment. The new fortune does not seem to have done much so far. The pain between my shoulders has been better today, but I feel rather achish all over. If you were here, my darling, I should not feel it. It would all go away. It would be such a pleasure to have you with me. I should not think about it. I shall remember you to carry when I write again. She has not heard anything of the runaways since they were in the Suez Canal. They must have got to their journey's end by now. I had a letter from Carrie yesterday. She seems very downhearted and troubles very much about them being so far away and does miss them so much. She must do, poor girl, because they have always been so much together. She said I was to remember her very kindly to you and hopes you were quite well. She says she is very dull over there and she is thinking of taking a situation of some kind to occupy her time more and keeps her from thinking so much. I think you are doing quite right in not interfering with elections much. It does not seem to be a very paying game. I am sorry you missed your game at football, love. I know you would have enjoyed it. It was a pity Mr Cooper could not come a little sooner. Does Mr Alvey like the place any better now? Is he getting resigned like you and I have to be? I should think he would like lodging with you better than next door. You say I would like to, love. I think it would be scrumptious. It would be nice to find you at the side of me in the morning, darling, wouldn't it? Annie Wortley came to our house last Sunday. They said she was looking very much better. I have to go and see her very soon. I wish I had been with you, love, for your long walk. I think the scenery would have been splendid with you. We wouldn't envy the lovers then a bit. We will have a walk at Easter, love, and you won't have to die for a kiss and dash, dash, nothing more. I think I should learn the banjo. It would be the sweetest. And I will learn the tambourine, and then we can both join the Salvation Army. A clerk and his wife, covered. Would be a rarity, as you say, something to be proud of. I saw a lot of them at Sheffield last night, going down the moor, and such a mob following them. They are having a meeting at the Albert Hall. General Wood has come from somewhere. I think he inspects all the different branches. We have had very mild weather here until this last two days and it has been very frosty and cold. I shall have to close soon or I shall tire you, though it is not twelve o'clock and I am not sleepy. I should like to have been with you, to be squeezed to death, love. I love you more than ever, my darling, in spite of you wanting to squeeze me so. I do wish I could put you in your little bed and I would have taken care of you too. I believe you are not a bit penitent, love, are you? So I do wish it was Easter. I do, my husband and then I could see you. I am glad you've got the pictures, love. I am sure I shall like them. I scarcely know what sort of frames would suit them. Have what you like, love. I am sure your choice will suit me. 
I wish you could kiss me on your first purchase. I should enjoy it immensely. Father seems much better again. We have just got his large photo. It is a good one. I shall have to give up now. I like the look of Mrs. F. Shepherd very much, my darling. Believe me to be your own loving and faithful wife, Janie. Janie's stress-induced bad headache in running for the tram, followed by nausea, sounds suspiciously like a migraine, something that all her living descendants suffer from, and Janie does seem to suffer with them, judging by future letters. The Hicks drama of the runaways not being heard of since Carrie got a letter sent from Suez has sent my imagination wild. Of course, now I'm wondering if there's a shipboard romance where Annie found someone and they both ran away at one of the ports. And that's the nicest interpretation of events that I can come up with. If anyone wants to help me track down the Higgs, I'll put their 1881 census records up on the My Love Letter Time Machine Instagram. We'll leave it there for now. Thank you for listening to My Love Letter Time Machine. Next time, Fred and Janie have both been shopping for their new home and Emma gets some alarming news from her in-laws, the Herods. In the meantime, perhaps you could show the podcast some support by clicking on the ratings, leaving a review, or sharing it with someone you think might enjoy it. And if you'd like to write to me, you can at myloveletter-time-machine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.